Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show podcast. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're uh, back in the recording studio. We've got another great show lined up for you. Today we're going to talk about summer projects because, man oh man, is it getting hot. It is. I'll tell you what, I have noticed a huge change in the weather. And it's weird because in the Pacific Northwest, we have this this winter sort of just kept droning on. Oh my goodness, uh, yes. We were in April and still getting snow showers. Oh yeah, I was April. driving over to Bend from Portland, so I was going over the Santiam Pass uh, several times in March, April, and even in May, we were getting pounded with snow. It was crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. But now there has been a 180-degree flip. And it's hot. And it's hot outside. It's 90-something degrees out today. And, you know, I'll be honest. I I like it. I like the heat. Uh, I'm tired of the cold. I'm ready for this sunny, sunny weather. No, I agree with you. I do like it, too, because, uh, it, well, obviously, it gives us a lot of things. It gives us longer days. And the ability to get so much more done with the light provided by the sun. And in one day, you know, when you have to leave a project and then come back to it. At five o'clock. Yeah. And that's the thing. (laughs) Whatever time that it is that you have to leave the project, you have to wrap up. And then when you come back to it, you have to roll out. Mm -hmm. And then you have to wrap up again. Mm -hmm. There's so much um, of that that you avoid if you can get it all done in one block of time. There's nothing more frustrating to me to me than coming home from work at 5, 5.30 and having it be dark. Right. And then trying to start a project that you've been working on that you just try, you're just trying to finish. And it's just so dark. You're getting lights out. It's just annoying and frustrating. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, and then you throw into that rain, right? Which, <laughs> right. which makes trying to do anything outside... More difficult. Yeah, outdoor projects more are complicated. on pause, right. as far as I'm concerned. But he, but not anymore. It is summertime, some, Summer, some, summertime, and we can start our projects and take our time and get them done, and the only thing we have to worry about is heat exhaustion and dehydration. <laughs> Do you have any summer projects ready uh, or lined up or, or anything that you want to get done around your house? Um, you know, oddly... Um, the projects that I do have lined up are inside, <laughs> so they really should be winter projects, but, um, uh, but I didn't get to them. Uh, you know, we have, we had a lot going on, I guess. And so I do have projects lined up, but, um, you They're know, all the, the big ones are inside. We'll do a little bit outside. Of course, you know, we have a little water feature in the backyard that uh, takes a little bit of damage every winter and has to be sort of maintenance mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you got to get that little pump and you know and work on it a little bit and uh, clean all the green yeah and then you know some things that have a tendency to collect on the back patio under the back patio cover you know that you didn't want to be in the rain and so those things need to get back out to their home kind of push the grill back out to the edge of the patio cover and oh, not you yeah. know under the middle because we get sideways rain in the in the Pacific Northwest. I know, you know, recently I got all my furniture out, 
uncovered it. I put the umbrella up. It just feels really nice to get that done. And, yeah. You know, get, get the barbecue area cleaned up because it gets covered in, you know, just junk all winter long. So, yeah, getting it all nice and ready for the summers. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. And we need to um, we need to get out there and do some weed management as well. We have a lot of weeds popping up in places where we don't want them. And so we need to go out there and do some weed management. You know, now is the best time. Actually, a month ago was the best time to jump on weeds because if you get them before they sprout, that's really the key. You want to, you know, put your your weed and feed out in the springtime and get it before they pop out of the ground. Because once they pop up out of the ground, it's it's a losing battle. You're always battling the weeds all summer long as they're coming up. But if you prevent them from coming up, you're way ahead. So if you can jump on that earlier in the year, next year, you'll be much happier. You know, put that, like a lot of people will use preen in their garden beds oh, yeah. areas. So we'll put that, we'll throw that down in our bark dust areas in the spring. So then weeds, they don't stand a chance. They won't even come up all summer long. It's nice. Yeah, that's smart. Um, I, I still have some moss uh, on moss. my on my driveway. I have a huge driveway. I feel like it's so big. It's not takes, bigger than your forehead. It takes a lot of maintenance. And so we need to deal with some some driveway moss. So yeah. I need to get the pressure washer out and uh, do a little driveway maintenance. I got to fill some cracks. I got some cracks in the driveway. You know, it's about 20 years old and mm. it just... Uh, you have to keep, you got to keep maintaining those cracks. Well, and if you don't, they just get worse. Oh, yeah. Worse. They, they become caverns. You know, you end up with, uh, you end up with ants that are traveling to the center of the earth down <laughs> underneath your, your driveway. Yeah. They've you got to be really careful with that. Ant condos. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in my backyard, I have a big paver patio, big paver patio. And between, over the years, between all, each block, it gets built up with dirt. You know, you put that paver lock sand in there. Yeah. And it it kind of creates like a, almost like a heavy grout. It's very hard and it doesn't allow that stuff to build up and create moss. Well, right. over the years, it does wash out and then it fills back in with dirt, which is excellent for moss to grow in. And so I have areas on my patio where it is, I mean, ev- between every brick is moss like thick moss so about a month ago i went out with some i think it's 30 seconds outdoor cleaner and i got it in a pump sprayer and i sprayed my whole patio down and that worked fantastic it killed the moss killed all the moss and i didn't have to pressure wash it which is fantastic because running the pressure washer on you know a 3,000 square foot patio. It's oh, yeah. ridiculous. Not to mention all of the changing contours, and you end up spraying yourself in the face like 2 oh, million yeah. times. Well, and it actually makes it worse because you're, when you're pressing or washing a patio like that, you're, you know, you're knocking that dirt or the sand lock out of there even more. Yeah. So then it's you need to have a pretty filling. good size fan for that, right? Yeah, exactly. And I actually have a patio attachment. For my pressure washer, it's round. Yeah. Has a, a spinning brush on the inside. It's pretty sweet, actually. Yeah, but it doesn't make doing a large area like that easy no. enough. No, it's still a still lot of work. Still a lot of work, right. 30 seconds outdoor cleaner. Yeah, that's a good product. Highly recommend. Yeah. Cool. I like that. Smart. Anyway, so today we're going to talk about projects that you can be doing in the summertime, some of which Tony and I are going to be working on this summer. 
Hopefully, you can go uh, check out our YouTube channel. We'll be putting some of those on there. We'll try and record as much as we can. Yeah. We've got all kinds of projects going up there. If you ever want to check out the YouTube, it's uh, YouTube forward slash WW Home Show. Um, we're also on Instagram. We're at WW Home Show. You can go find us there. Or if you search Par Lumber, you can go to par, P-A-R-R.com, and our links are all on there. If you do want to email us, we'd love to hear from you. If you got questions or comments, we are Weekend Warriors at par.com. It's plural. Weekend Warriors at par, P-A-R-R dot com. Yeah. All right. The first one on my list, Tony, and this is one that I'm actually going to try and do this summer, is build a patio cover. Yes. I don't have a patio cover over my main patio because it's huge, and I do already, I built a barbecue cover, which it's not big. It's probably like four foot by six foot, and- Recently, we were over some friend's house, and a friend's house, and they have a big patio cover. And my wife was like, I want this. Yeah. She wants to put a couch outside. <laughs> she wants, you know what I mean? She wants to be able to hang out out there yeah. for a majority of the year. So I said, okay. So I have to design and build a patio cover. And, you know, here's some things that I have been thinking about. And maybe you can give me some input, Tony, on because you built one. On the back of your house yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's a big old chunky fella, isn't it? We built it out of six by 12, 20s and uh, six by six posts. Six by six posts with four by 12 beams. And yeah. Yours is more of a timber frame style. Right. Is what I would call it. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's very blocky, chunky, rustic. Uh, timber frame. Yeah. And it's a gable style. Right. So on the side of your house or on the back of your house, you have two story. You have a lot of room up there. So what you did, and you did it right, you cut back the siding. You put a ledger. You installed a ledger onto the house with flashing. And then when you roofed it, the, the roofers actually flashed it against the house so no water can get behind the patio cover. Right. It's very important when you're considering building one. You don't want to just slap something on the side of the house and nail it up there or bolt it on there because you're creating a water disaster waiting to happen. Sure. Yep. Absolutely. So there's lots of ways to build a patio cover. You know, you can build it freestanding. You can build four posts, post it up, beams, roof joists, trusses, however you want to do that. You do have to consider what they call lateral uh, stability. So there are different methods. You can either dig a hole three, four feet down, drop a post in the ground, and that will give you a lot of lateral stability. Um, or you can you can buy Simpson Strong Tie. They make a post. It's called an MPBB4 or 6. It's a, a moment base. A moment base. It's very tall, and it actually adds a lot of that lateral structural support for yeah. a, a patio or a pergola or anything like that. It's very important because if you were to just build it and set it in a standard little post base that Simpson makes, sure, it's going to be, it's going to hold up a lot of weight, but laterally, and what I mean by that is that shear load that if you were to push on it side to side, is it going to rock back and forth? Right. Is the wind going to capture it and start pushing it around? And it might be strong at first because your nails are all in there or your bolts and you're lagged. It's all together and it's strong. But over the years, is it going to be, you right. know, in a year or two years, you're going to be able to push that thing. Wriggle apart. Yeah, it's going to rack back and forth. Mm -hmm. 
and it won't be structurally sound anymore. So if you're building a patio, patio cover, especially if it's a larger one, you know, if you've got a 10 by 20 or something like that, that's a pretty significant piece of framing. Right. So you would want to make sure that you would want to make sure whether or not you're expected to have a permit. Is, right. Is it a permittable project? Here's the facts. Or every jurisdiction's likely to have their own rules. Yeah, you got to be careful give, there. Yeah, I'm going to give you an example of what a jurisdiction might say. It might sound something like this. If you're attaching it to an exterior wall on your home and it's less than 200 square feet, then you don't need to have a permit for that project. That, that could say something like that. It, and if it is over 200 square feet and is not attached to the exterior wall of your home, then a permit is required. You were talking about having a freestanding, whether it's an A-frame or a shed-style roof. Um, freestanding definitely requires um, more consideration. Right. My, my, what I intend to build on my house is different than yours. You, you built that A-frame, you know, gable style timber frame. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to use a product called a patio roof riser or a sky lift. Sky lift, they make these, these, basically these brackets. Like a standoff bracket. Yeah. Where you cut a hole in your roof. In your roof sheathing. Your roof sheathing, your roofing and roof sheathing right over your top plate. So you'll see, you know, you have a little overhang on your roof and then where it goes back and your ex, where it meets your exterior wall, you would start there and cut a hole in your roof deck to expose through the framing, the roof framing, truss, whatever. Let's call that a six inch by six inch square. Yeah. Hole. And you look down and you see the top plate of your roof. Your exterior wall. Or, or of your, sorry, of your exterior wall through your roof. Right. So you would reach down in there and you would bolt that bracket down to that top plate which gives you a very sturdy uh support yeah it's lagged it's lagged down it's a very sturdy support for your that right under your exterior wall and then it comes out of there and it has a little saddle bracket up top and then you set a beam down inside of that right you do two of those or three of those depending on how long your run is exactly however and, and really you could span you know you could get a big beam and span it, but the the more brackets you put in, the more supports you put in, the smaller beam you can put in, right? So you'd want to talk to a professional and get the beams calced out, get your roof calced out, the truss, whatever you're going to do there. Um, but that's my idea. I want to use those brackets. I'm going to come up. I'm going to put a beam, and I'm going to do a shed-style roof down, put a couple posts at the end, and I'll probably end up digging holes and putting in sonotube which is uh, like a cardboard tube that you fill with concrete mm-hmm. and create a, a nice solid support down on the end. And it's going to go up, you know, obviously eight feet or so yeah. and up to the roof deck, another, you know, and it'll be a couple feet above that. So it'll probably be 12 feet off the ground over there, creating that nice shed style roof. So a couple of the considerations there, you know, do I want skylights in it? Is it going to create too much darkness on the back of my house? Yeah. That is one of the things that, you know, in Oregon, we, yeah. <laughs> we, it's a, it is a, a priceless commodity, right? Right. Sunlight. Light. Sunlight is, as soon as you get it, you want to see it It's all the most the time. precious thing. Yeah. So if you're putting a big patio cover off the back of your house, is it going to block off all your sunlight? So if that's the case, you can add skylights. 
to to get you know to get you some added sunlight, or you can build the roof out of Sun Tough. There's a product made out of polycarbonate. It's clear. It comes in or different colors. It has you know there's a smoke color or you know just different colors that you can buy. That's 100% clear, so you can have the whole thing just almost like it's not even there. It's more of like a roof or a a, a rain. Prevents the rain coming. Yeah, out. this is it's like corrugated roofing, just like yeah. metal corrugated roofing that you see on a barn exactly. or a shop or a shed. Except instead of being metal, it's plastic. It's, yeah, it's plastic. It's polycarbonate, which is a lot stronger than plastic. Right. As a matter of fact, it's virtually unbreakable. That's how they mm-hmm. market the product. Virtually unbreakable, very strong, durable. Um, but it's Eighth clear. Eight-inch polycarbonate will stop a twenty-two. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, so it's strong. It's strong stuff, and it's clear, so it lets a lot of light through. Or you can get it, like you said, smoked, uh, that would let a little bit less light through. But it would be so much more lighted than a solid roof with plywood in composition right. or something along yeah. those lines. You know, so there's that. There's you could build on a sun tough metal com- composition roofing, like Tony said. Those are the choices you'd have to make. You know, um, some of the other ones are the considerations you want to think about are are the underside. Right. So I've I've sold patio covers, thousands of them over the years. You know, I've had this conversation with people over and over and over, especially if they're DIYers, right? Weekend warriors. They want to do it as cheap as possible. So they buy, you know, framing lumber and then they buy the cheapest OSB to throw on top of it. And it's like, well, now you're going to see OSB. Right. From the underside, you're going to look up and see OSB. And here's the thing. You, you might look at bare wood and say, well, it's bare wood. It's fine. I'll paint it or I'll stain it or whatever. Here's the thing. Low-grade, framing quality, bare wood does not age like high-quality, you know, select for appearance, bare wood. Mm-hmm. They age differently, folks. They take finishes differently. Everything about them is different. You can't put standard exterior grade plywood up there and then paint it and expect it to look like an AC grade plywood. Right. There are, there are different grades of plywood that paint better, that stain better, that are, that look better, that are meant to be exposed. And, but they are also more expensive. Correct. So if you were to throw a product up there and then paint it, you just, you might not be happy with the results. You're likely to not be happy with the right. results. So there are other things you can do. You know, you can put instead of say two by material for your roof rafters, you can use four by say four by six or four by eight further apart on center, you know, so maybe not necessarily 16 or 24 on center. You could do maybe four by eights as your roof beams that are say 48, 48 inches, inches on, on center. center. And then you can use two by six tongue and groove what's called select deck for the roofing surface. Right, which is exposed to the underneath side. Right. And, and the it's nice a part finished about that, product, yeah. The nice part about that, in which I didn't talk about just a second ago, but if you use thinner plywood to sheet, and you're using that as your finished surface, right, you look up, okay, I see plywood, I'm just going to paint, it looks good, okay. Then you have the roofer come out, and if they use the wrong thickness of nails... <laughs> which they will. And, yeah, it's very possible... Those will blow through the bottom side. You know, a lot of, this is important. A lot of roofers will tell you this exact thing, Corey. They'll say, you don't want your roofing nail to terminate inside of the plywood because water that runs down the nail 
and ends inside the plywood will rot your plywood. Interesting. You want water that will run down the nail, through the plywood, and drip off the end of the nail, which is poking through the sheeting of your roofing. Interesting. So they won't buy nails that terminate inside the plywood sheeting. Yeah. They will poke through. They will always poke through. Yeah. Staples will always poke through. Roof nails will always poke through. And I'll tell you right now, that's ugly. It is ugly. You're going to look up. You can see a bunch of nails. It's just not going to be looking And then you're going to decide that you want to, you know, cover all of the underneath side. Right. And so that's what I was getting at. And now you're doubling down on money and material. Yep. That's and what work. I'm gonna, so what I'm probably going to do is sheet the whole thing with standard roof sheathing, OSB, let's say. And then I'm going to use on the underside like a one by six tongue and groove or a plywood, you know, a, a soffit plywood that's going to look nice. Or a, or an LP. Yeah, you just LP. Maybe just a soffit material. One of my builders right now has switched to a detail where they're actually doing almost like... I don't know what you would call it. It's not really a board and bat, but they're basically putting plywood up and then they're using battens up there to cover all the seams. Right. And all of the nails, essentially, with a four, a two foot on center batten. So it creates like this grid basically yeah. up there and okay. it all gets painted and yeah. it, it looks fantastic. I can picture that. As a matter of fact. Yeah, I can picture that actually. That sounds like it would look good. So if there's a lot to consider there. You know, what I would caution you against is what we just talked about, putting the plywood up there and just trying to f- use that as a finished grade. And just like the lumber, if you were to buy two by 10 or two by 12 roof rafters, two and better, they're going to have Wayne on them. I'm going to gonna... Wayne, if you don't know what that is, you can watch our link, Lumberyard Lingo video, but it's basically the bark of the tree, the edge of the tree. You're going to see that. You're going to see knots. You're going to see knot holes. That's pretty standard in framing lumber. I'm going to take you one step further. Whatever you do, don't buy green lumber. Ugh, yeah. You know, lumber yards out there, like Par Lumber, they sell green lumber for framing. It's intended to be used under sheetrock where it cannot be seen or handled. And it's structurally sound, but um, but it green lumber will um, have pitch in it, and that pitch will come out, and it will be... A mess, a disaster. Do not use green lumber. Uh, we sell dry lumber. We sell dry lumber for select for appearance. No free of free of heart center. No Wayne. Um, really nice stuff. That it's still not really a bank breaker. Not really. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, most of our at par lumber anyway. We don't even sell green two by anything bigger than two by six anymore. I think all of our yards two by eight, two by ten, two by twelve are all dry. Yeah. But it is still framing. And it's it's, a, it's available, though. It's not a finish quality of two-by framing material. That being said, we can buy from our vendors premium-grade select lumber. Right. In stock at In those stock. locations. That's yeah. what you would want to use if you wanted something exposed. You know, same thing goes for the beams. If you're going to buy a 4 by 12 or a 6 by 12 beam, slap it up there and expect to paint it. A, it's probably going to be green. And when I mean green, like Tony said, it's it's not dried. Yeah, it has a high moisture content. Right. It could have over 20, 23, 25% moisture content. And it's not going to take paint very well. It's going to look like framing lumber. It's going to dump pitch. I mean, if I'm being honest with you, some dry lumber is going to dump pitch. 
Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, it's it's going to be a lot less, but uh, you definitely don't want to put yourself in that spot. Yeah. Pitch dr- dripping all over everywhere. Oh, yeah. So in that application, you know, I would recommend buying a a nice, what we would call free of heart center, select KD, Douglas fir in our area anyway, other other parts of the country would use something different. Right. You know, shoot over in the Midwest, you can't even buy six by 12. It's not even a thing. You would have to use like a double or a triple two by 12. Gang lamb. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah well, I mean, it's just like a triple two by 12 is their beam that they nail yeah. together. Yeah. But here anyway, you can buy glue lamb. There's lots of different things you can do. You can talk to your local lumber yard, go to your local par lumber and talk about calcing out a beam that works that will span. And the same thing goes for the posts out at the end. So the further the span between supports is also what will determine the beam size. But there's a third part of that calculation, and that is the span back to the house. Right. You can imagine your beam sitting out there, say it's 20 foot long, and you've got two posts, and it's spanning 20 feet. Well, if you have that sitting at the house and it's and it's only a six foot patio or a six foot six foot porch cover, let's say, what do you think is going to hold more weight or have more weight on that beam? A six foot, or if you move that out twenty right, feet, right? So much more twenty feet out. So much more. It's called tributary loading, right? So you have to calculate how much the actual roofing surface has, and then divide it out and then calculate how much load per square foot is going to land on that beam. And the bigger the patio, the larger the spans, the bigger the wood is going to be needed to support it. Right, and then the bigger your beam becomes, the bigger your posts must become. Right. So lots of things to consider. So if you get out there and you've got capacity to put, say, in a 20-foot span, three posts instead of two, which sometimes you don't want because, you know, you just don't want that many posts. Right. But if you can, you're going to save yourself some money. Sure. Because you can make that beam quite a bit smaller out there. So anyway, the other things to consider might be electrical, speakers. A fan. Yes. Heating, a fan. Lights. Gutters. Ooh, gutters. Not electrical, really, but it is something to consider. Right. Water management away you have to think about that. Well, you're suggesting that there's going to be rain. <laughs> well, if you're living in the Pacific Northwest, I'm telling you right there's now. There's going to be rain. There's going to be rain, and you definitely want to manage that water. Absolutely. All right, next one on the list, Tony. Okay, we're that's patio covers. That's it, patio covers. Well, I think so. Well, I mean, the, the we next have one on our list actually is almost... More about patio covers. More about patio covers. <laughs> you, know, it's, uh, you know, when you live in a place where it rains a lot, and you want to be outside of the house... A patio cover is invaluable. I mean, it's absolutely invaluable. I agree. And if you can't tie your gutters into a rain drain, then maybe consider, this is the last thing I want to say. If you can't tie your gutters or your downspouts into a rain drain, then consider maybe a dry, what do you call that? A dry well? Oh, yeah. A, you know, two foot by yeah, two foot well. by two foot dry well. A bio filled, swale. Bio swale filled with, um, with large river rock, maybe. Um, so because that can, that can hold a lot of water, give the, give the ground a chance to do what it needs to do with the water while it's coming. That's a really popular thing to do in Portland now is actually 
you know, the, your waste management services and clean water services. They want you to take all of the water that's coming off of your property or anything new and run it through a bio swale. And essentially all that does is it slows down the amount of water entering into the system to reduce the volume at any one time. Right. So. Yeah. The more hard surfaces we have, the more water diverting we do, Mm -hmm. the more large amounts at one time we're introducing into the system, which, you know, is problematic. Yeah. You're creating, you know a lot more volume of water. Right. And that's probably why most jurisdictions have these codes in these building permits that are required to talk, that that basically determine how much hard surface you can have. Because the more hard surface you have, the less dirt there is. Yeah. You're just, bam, you're throwing it right into the system. Bam. All right, let's move on to the next thing. What else we got? Well... Creating an outdoor living space. Oh, build a patio cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let's say you already have one. Okay. You know, Tony, you already have a ba- out, you know, outdoor patio cover. I do. So you could turn that into an outdoor living space. You could put up some, uh, some plants and some comfy furniture. You know, create that cozy atmosphere and shade. What if you've got the sun and it's going down? You know, you could put up curtains. And oh yeah. Heating. Yeah, maybe a, a maybe a shade that you roll up, yes. right? And then you just you just let it down, and maybe it just gives you some break from the direct sunlight. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, still lets some light through, still lets some warmth through, but uh, just knocks the edge off a little bit of that Absolutely. direct sunlight. That's a great idea. I I see those um, very cool things. You know, they just roll up just like a just like a shade on a window in the house. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next one on the list is to install an outdoor water feature. Do you have one of these, Tony? I not. I do. I have a water feature. It's very old. Uh, my father-in-law made it for me a long, long, long time ago. Um, it looks like a. It looks like an old gold mine, right? It's like a mine shaft, kind of like a mine shaft. Oh, okay, yeah. And it's got a little pair of uh, railroad tracks. It's all made out of wood. A little pair of railroad tracks that roll into the, you know, into the mine shaft. It's got a sign on it that says. You know, gold mine beware, flooded gold mine. Yeah, and um, and it's and it's got a, it's built with a two by ten sort of, you know, flower bed base kind mm-hmm. of thing that's lined with plastic and holds, I don't know, probably thirty or so gallons of water, and then it has a one of those um wheels that spins right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so the water pump. The water wheel. Yeah, water wheel. The water pump pumps the water up out of a hose into the water wheel which fills up each one of the little things, spins the water wheel. The water dumps it back in the pool at the bottom, and uh, and that continues. So it's very cool. I like it when it's running. Uh, it, you know, running water is soothing. Of course, everyone knows that. But um, it's a very cool little, very um, antique-feeling sort of part of our yard. And, and it requires maintenance. Yeah. A couple of the pieces of the mine fall apart or the wheels fall off the mine card or whatever it has it requires maintenance to keep it up and going but yeah. but um I'm always super happy when I get that water running again and and it's uh it, it's very peaceful a koi pond I feel like a koi pond in itself is a hobby you know what I mean it's so much work I have a I have a friend who had one he bought a house and it had one and when they bought it it was beautiful it was clean and they have two kids, and it always worried them because it was a big koi pond. I mean, it was 
I don't even know, a gallon wise, but it was probably eight foot wide by 15 foot long, something like that. It was really big. Yeah. And the, the fish in, in it were pretty big. And after a few years of having it, they took it out. They sold the fish to somebody or gave them to somebody and just filled it in because it was so much work that they didn't have time for it. And they were worried about their kids because it didn't have any sort of fence around it. And it was probably, yeah. you know, a good 18, 20 inches deep. So little toddler walking around back there would always scare them. But my neighbors have one. And it's the same thing. You go over there and they're just constantly working on the koi pond. And they have, you know, they're always worried about cranes. Oh, really? Yeah. The cranes will come in and just eat the fish right out of them. Wow. My friend who had that koi pond fish or koi pond, they actually lost a few fish to cranes. They come down and they just sit there and boop, there goes your koi. Yikes. See ya. You lose some money that way real quick. Absolutely. So then, then he went down this path of trying to cover it and put different netting and all of these crazy things. My neighbor, my neighbor's koi pond, they have that. They have like this um, very strong vinyl net over the koi pond. Interesting. I'm like, that's so dumb. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> I, just I think seem... it looks dumb. Yeah, interesting. That's interesting. You've got some my koi dad, pond people out there mad My dad uh, had a big water feature. Uh, he lived up on the hill and had a big, big rock water feature. You know, it was about 30 feet tall um, and it went up the back, uh, up the hill in the backyard and had big boulders and and a big a big pump that would pump the water all the way up to the top and it would run like a waterfall all the way down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then down at the bottom it would dump into a pond a little pond that was about i don't know 8 by 10 let's say 8 by 12 maybe and um <clears throat> it was all framed out of big rock and he had a rubber mat in there and he had um he had some little fish in there but one time a frog ended up laying some eggs in there and I think it's frogs lay eggs. I don't even know how that works. Yeah, of course. And then there ended up being a bunch of tadpoles and then the tadpoles turned into a whole bunch of frogs. And then he had like an infestation of frogs. He had a frog pond. He had a frog pond. Uh, and then another thing we did, we went fishing down at the, down at the lake, not too far away and caught some, uh, some little fish, like a bluegill, caught some little bluegill fish and brought them back alive and put them in mm-hmm, his mm-hmm pond which and they, you know they ended up living in there he called it flipper one of at least one of them flipper yeah i mean it can be a lot of fun it doesn't have to be expensive and if you catch a fish at the lake and you bring it back and put it in there and a crane comes and takes it well you didn't you're not out anything <laughs> but if you're spending a lot of money on koi fish and you know then i guess that's a different story yeah i mean i i'm not a koi person but i do know that some koi are ridiculously expensive. Interesting. So, very interesting. Well, on to the next. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so a uh, little outdoor water feature. Next one on the list would be to build a pergola. You know, a pergola is can be very similar to a patio cover, right? So you could build a pergola, but it's open. Is it, it, a, it is offers... a pergola always open or just a traditional pergola is open? You know, I don't know. I'm going to Google this. And I say that because of this. If you bought or built um, a freestanding structure that covered your hot tub, and let's say it was 
Eight by eight mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or 10 by 10. Like mine. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yours of course is made out of metal. And, but if you build one that just covered your, would you call that a pergola? I mean, you wouldn't call it a patio cover. Well, but it's structure. It is. I mean, mine is mine. The one I have over my hot tub, it opens and closes. So it has louvered the louvered roof on it so right. that it opens up when it's sunny and you can close it down when it's raining. Right. Um, but I don't know. I guess you could call it a pergola. You could call it a pergola. What about a gazebo? Does a it ga- have to be eight-sided to be a gazebo? I, you know, in, in, actual, in actual terminology, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. There are a lot of terms for small structures that you use to cover areas. You see, these gazebos... Um, have a tendency to look to me to be square. Yardistry says that the main difference between a pergola and a gazebo is oh, the function of the roof. A pavilion. A gazebo and a pavilion provide full coverage from the sun, while a pergola allows for sunlight to shine through its slatted roof. Okay, so a gazebo that's not um, octagonal is a pavilion. Yeah. That's really... So I am seriously considering a pavilion over my hot tub. <laughs> But I might not build it out of wood. I might go and I might go online and buy one made out of aluminum. Yeah. That's 12 by 12 or something and assemble it. What I think of when I hear the the term pavilion, Mm -hmm. I think of like those big buildings and campsites. You know, you can rent a pavilion for your your kid's birthday party. The difference there, Corey, is that those are big pavilions. (laughs) You want want a micro pavilion? I want a a small pavilion. (laughs) (laughs) Just a small pavilion over my hot tub. Yeah. And every time you have people, they're like, oh, nice patio cover. (laughs) Excuse me. It's a pavilion. (laughs) It's a pavilion. Don't be be silly. What are you thinking? (laughs) Uh, yeah, in, in such pavilion, you could hang outdoor curtains and awnings and shades. Sure. You know, yeah. Put in, you know, all that stuff. Put some, sh- I mean, if you had it over top of your hot tub, you know, a, a little set of shelves or racking or something to hold dry towels and other yeah. um, things that you need for I will say, I will say when you're doing hot tubs, there are typically sets of rules in regards to codes and permits. When it comes to electrical things around a hot tub, okay, you're not allowed to have anything electrical like lighting within like six feet, okay, of the hot tub or overhanging okay. the hot tub even, because you're you can create a situation where you're sitting in a tub of water and you could get electrocuted. Yeah, so you want to buy a hot tub that has lights in it. That is correct, or you do some midnight hot tubbing, just dark, always dark, and you don't, you you just have to wonder what's in the hot tub with you. Yeah, Pro- probably going to be you know some of those some dark creatures. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next one on the list. In when it's hot outside, you can paint the house. Yes, it's always a good idea to paint your house when it's especially if it's peeling, if it's old and cracked. One of the ways to keep your siding. A long time, whether it's LP, Hardy, Cedar, whatever you have, is to keep a good coat of paint on it through the years. Before you decide that you need to paint the entire house, you will probably have been doing touch-up paint for a while. 
you'll first see the paint starting to thin or starting to peel or starting to flake in, uh, in some areas. And then you will, of course, go and touch up those areas. You'll do a lot of exterior touch-up paint before you decide this is more than touch-up now. It's time to get the entire house repainted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you're going from an entire house repaint to an entire house repaint, you're missing an opportunity to save some money by just touching up the areas that are starting to fade. And caulking. It's very important to look at the caulking around all of your windows and doors every time you you do that because if you start to see caulking that's cracked water is getting in and it is creating issues behind your siding it's going to happen so it's a good idea to check the caulking scrape it out and reapply new sealant like NP150 master seal it's a, probably the best one on the market uh, quad max is another good one you want to use an upgraded new caulking because some of those old ones like volcom remember volcom tony it was state-of-the-art 25 years ago but they've realized over the years that having a 100 percent polyurethane base doesn't last very long well the problem it dries is and it's, cracks yeah it's got so much so it's got so many vocs in there yeah that it uh, it off gases and when it off gases it shrinks and when it shrinks it separates and um and then it fails essentially mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. what's happening 100 percent. yeah we used to think it was phenomenal and and i think it was it just didn't have the staying power right that the product that they're manufacturing today not to take anything away from them they weren't trying to cheat anybody it was the best that could be done at that time 100 30 years ago yeah it was it's super sticky. People yeah. loved it because it was super, super sticky. Yeah, and it did a really good job for yeah. a while. You didn't want it on your hands. Right, and then, and then it didn't. <laughs> yeah. All right, next one on the list is to build a garden. Build a either a one in the ground, or you can build a raised garden bed. It's the perfect time to do that right now in the hot spring, almost summer. Yeah, it's, I mean, if we're being honest, it's probably a little past the time right now. Is I mean, it? Yeah, because you would be planting in April. Remember when we were saying, I can't believe it's snowing in April? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was too early to to plant at that time. A lot of people didn't know it. I think a lot of people got caught, you know, planting their seeds or seedlings and, um, and then having more fr frosty nights and, you know, probably had some loss there. Yeah. But, but you've probably planted already in late April, mid to late April. And uh, probably by now, mid-May, there's uh, some pretty good starts out there, I'm guessing. But you haven't missed the boat entirely. Um, you can certainly be out there planting some seeds now. Sure. But you got to get the you got to get the beds built, right? You got to get the ground tilled. Yeah. You, you got to well, while it's warm. You yeah. got to fill out the invitations to the to the garden party. Well. <laughs> To the uh, gophers, right? And invite, oh. <laughs> invite them on over. Come on over. We're going to till the ground, and you're going to want to be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, next one on the list is to improve your insulation. You know, in, in the other one is to make sure that you're maintaining your HVAC system. Obviously, it's hot out. You've probably already checked your oh, air yes. conditioning unit. Everyone on the planet. Not everyone. Everyone in the Pacific Northwest probably has. <laughs> but it's a good time to get it cleaned up been playing with change your, your furnace AC. filter clean out your ac condenser and make sure that it's all running smooth 
you want to do that now. And if your air conditioner just can't keep up, then check your insulation. Go up into your attic. You might not have enough insulation up there. And it's a good time to check that out and get either more or improved or added insulation. Hire a company to do it. It's uh, it's worth it. I, I agree with you 100%. Absolutely is worth it. Uh, last, last one on my list, Tony. This yes. This is the last one. Tell me, what is it? What is it? What is it? Install a ceiling fan. Oh, a ceiling fan. And that is installing a ceiling fan outside. Outside or inside. Or replace one. I really want a ceiling fan under my patio cover. I feel like uh, the times, you know, they've got those really cool ultra sort of commercial grade, heavy duty, you know, long blade fans that you turn that on and you got to hold on to your hat because it's mm-hmm. like, like, like a helicopter up there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to get myself one of those big things that really moves the air when you're sitting outside <laughs> on a, you know, on a 95 degree day. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, that's very cool. Yeah, ceiling fan is a great way to go, especially in the outdoor spaces. In, on the inside, if you got one of those old gangster brass ones that just looks terrible from 1981, buy a new one. They're so worth it to get it. The, all the new ones now have like the remote control. So you can just sit there and like oh, yeah. Bluetooth remote control, yeah. turn the fan up or down or whatever you want to do. So anyway, I highly recommend it. So that's it. Those are some projects you can do when it's nice and hot outside. And if it's too hot outside, you can do what Tony did and just find some projects on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes, sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes you are led by necessity instead of by desire. This is also true. So, and that's where you end up. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I say tuning in. It's so funny. Thank Never you so much for listening to uh, our podcast today. We really appreciate you out there. And if you have ideas, something you'd like us to talk about, you want to test our knowledge or, um, or whatever it might be, reach out and let us know. Weekendwarriors at par.com, P-A-R-R.com, weekendwarriors at par.com. And we would love to talk about what you want us to talk about. Yeah, or go find us on our Instagram or YouTube. We're at WW Home Show. All right, we'll catch you guys next time. We'll see you. All right.